0: Hello everyone, welcome back to Old Soul Podcast. My name is Bree It's spoke B-R-E-I. Thank you so much. Today I want to talk about the film, The Half of It. I didn't really have a specific reason as to why I wanted to watch this film. It's just been out for quite a while on Netflix. I think it's considered a Netflix original, as in they got everything together, um did a project and it was released on their platform. don't really know all the specifics, but that's where you can find this film, and I think the only place that you can find this film. But yeah, so I'm just going to do a sort of summary of the film and the characters, and then talk about specific details that I liked or didn't like or noticed. But I'm going to start with the characters. So this would be considered for my... Um, opinion, a coming-of-age film, young adult film, and the three main characters are Ellie, who's really the perspective that we focus on a lot of the time, if not all of the time, Aster, and Paul. And we really don't get into... how do I explain this? So I feel like there are like three parts to this film. It doesn't specifically say part one, part two, or anything outside the diegesis. It just feels like there's three very distinct parts in this film, and so the first part would be Ellie in explaining sort of her background. So Ellie is the main character that we follow throughout the film. We don't necessarily break away with perspectives, but we get into more detail with the other two characters. And they're in so much of the film, and the camera focuses on them a lot as well, but not as much as Ellie. And I'm just noting this so you sort of have an idea. It's not like the perspective, like, changes or the voice changes, really. It's just that they get a good amount of screen time as well. And so Ellie is, I think she's like 17 years old. Um, she lives in Squamish, which is the name of the neighborhood that they all live in. And it's pretty much the middle of nowhere, which completely relatable to me. Small town. Um... You can imagine this, I'm sure. Ellie seems to be one of probably very few um, people of color in that neighborhood. She's Chinese. Um, Throughout the film, you see a group of kids, teenagers, whatever, making fun of her last name. It feels very racist. It seems like something that would really happen. Yeah, so that's an issue. Um, You see Ellie speaking to her dad a lot. Um, there's this beautiful. There's a lot of beautiful moments where her and her father are sitting in the living room and they're just watching like old movies. And I think at one point they're watching like maybe a Bollywood movie, and you can see like their main connection is like dinner time where they're eating like I think pot pies, um, not pot pies like the chicken like pot pies like these little, small chicken sort of soup pies that you can like pop in the oven, and you find out later that. Maybe they don't have a lot of money to be able to afford a lot of food and Ellie's mom died and so maybe it's not even the food exactly, but they can't cook anything. Um, It's a lot of details there and you'll find out more in the film, but there's levels to that. And so this is like their bonding time and a lot of the time they don't really talk a lot and when they do, it's sort of like they go in circles, but clearly they love each other. They do really notice things about each other. They just aren't always really out loud about it and um, it's really sweet and even in their silence, you can feel like they have a connection and like that's just their bond. That's just how their relationship works. It's so sweet. And so yeah, Ellie also is very smart and she wants to go to college. She has like a full ride to the uh, full ride to the in-state school. Um, But she has this teacher called Miss G or Mrs. G, which, this is like a trope that's in a lot of of coming-of-age films that's like not a bad trope, it's kind of cute, every time I see it I kind of love it, where there's always one teacher that (laughs) the student goes to and like literally can bare their soul to, and they're like the cool teacher and they listen and they give good advice, it's just cute and i see it a lot i think it was in like perks of being a wallflower it was in like the age of 17 it's everywhere essentially but it's a cool little trope that actually doesn't bother the shit out of me and yeah mrs g is like you should go to i think is it grinnell or one of those top schools you should try to go in because she thinks ellie will be great and ellie's like well, I have a full ride to this inside school, and that's another part of her plot, you know, sort of, should I go here, should I go there, and it makes sense, I mean, she's in her senior year of high school, it's the next chapter of her life, so she's deciding if she's gonna go there or the other place, or, you know, but in the beginning, she's sort of like, no, I'm just gonna stay in-state, in Squamish, or whatever. Um, but yeah, she runs this sort of this is the main plot point as well she runs this sort of essay business where she does essays for people um and it, as long as she gets an A for them she like writes the papers for them uh, she gets paid It's like her side business and what's really funny is that the teacher knows that she does this um but doesn't care and right and like yeah, half the class literally has her do it, and the teacher knows because she knows Ellie's writing, of course, and I think she even says, like, oh, you know, this is the reason why, you know, everyone's getting not an A right now. What what do you got going on? And this segues to another part of the plot. Um, so, I think that's all about Ellie, really. She does face a lot of issues, one, not having her mom there, um, being a person of color, probably a white majority town I'm sure Um, she is very smart she's dealing with sort of that class issue Um, I guess she does have that Chinese American experience although she was born in she was born in China and moved to America when she was five so she probably spent a lot of her life there she doesn't remember a lot about her mom Well, I guess she does, but I'm sure um, she didn't get as much time with her mom as she could have, and so she was probably quite young um, when she had a lot of memories or made a lot of memories with her mother. So that's something to note before her mom died. Um, She's very frugal, and this is the point where the plot segues, and Paul comes up to her with an inquiry about her possibly writing a love letter for him to send to the other character I noted, Aster, who's like the pretty popular girl that everyone likes. She's like a preacher's daughter, I'm pretty sure, and I'm pretty sure um, it's like a Catholic church because there's a lot of moments in the film where um, there's just scenes and shots of this church in the pews and Ellie on the piano. You'll find that Aster and Ellie have a lot of connections, but the music connection seems to be a thing. There's even a scene where they're in like choir class or some sort of band practice and Aster's really good at singing and that's like a thing and Ellie plays like guitar, there's like a talent show, so there's a lot of elements of music there, but there's also a lot of the sort of subtle religious elements and I don't know if that's just because you know, it was something there, and they decided to use it for production, or if there's another level there, maybe for the director or the writer, but there's these awesome scenes, um, after Paul asks Ellie to be a writer of a love letter, which, by the way, she firstly says, no, like, I don't do that, you know, and also I think she doesn't want to do that to Aster, um, you know, because that would essentially be, like, catfishing someone, but through a letter, and so she's like, no, but later... She's, like, trying to pay this, I don't know, is it electricity bill or cable bill or something like that, and she just finds out that they're, like, behind on payments, and her dad just didn't want to tell her, I'm assuming, and so, and it was, like, $50 minimum payment or they're going to cut it off or something, so she tells them, like, hey, I'll do it, like, it's literally her on the phone hearing that Paul's coming down the hallway she's been trying to avoid him all like all day and they tell um, her that over the phone and she turns it off and she just says to Polly like um I'll do it 50 bucks right yeah so it's really cool how quickly that happens and in that second split second you see Ellie on the phone and then boom Paul and there and I'm sorry if I'm calling him Polly sometimes it just it rolls off the tongue but it's Paul and so yeah and so they have these moments after they've written letters and he keeps trying to ask Ellie like can we finally text her and by the way they do get a response from Aster, and she does know that it's Paul who's writing she just hasn't actually spoken to him in person so it's like a catfish pin pal and we do find out pretty quickly in the film even before Ellie starts writing letters that she seems to have a crush on Aster. And we already know that Paul does, because he's, like, telling her, and they're having these conversations about what love is, and they both think they know what love is, but neither one of them have experienced it. They just sort of have, um, crushes at this point, you know. Ellie's trying to prove to Paul, like, I know what it is, I can figure it out. She goes, and I think she, like, reads some books about it, (laughs) which is probably a good approach. And then Paul's like, well, I feel this way when I'm around her, so it must be love, it's really sweet um but probably not really like love but it's still sweet and we find that paul is really um starting to build a a strong connection with ellie and to the point where they're actually almost friends like they could be joking with each other they start um going to each other's houses they start having dinner with each other and even though it's kind of awkward at first they really do um build that bond and they have sort of a break in their relationship at one point, um, yeah, but, um, there's uh, the scene again where they're at the church a lot of the time, and they're speaking in the confessional, and I just love that setup of them sitting in two boxes, talking to each other, trying to pretend like it's, like, really nonchalant, like their meet-up hangout, and I just think it's a really, it's a really cool decision on the director's part to decide to set it up like that. It isn't always like that. They clearly speak at other places, but I just thought that was an interesting um, setting for a lot of those scenes. Yeah, so... um, Aster. Aster does eventually meet up with Paul at this restaurant, diner, place, and the update goes pretty terrible, but you find out later that she felt like she did a terrible job at the date, where Paul also felt like he did terrible at the date she starts to fall for Paul more so because of his letters and not so much in person he does feel very different in person but that's because he's not the one writing the letters this is after a few text messages have been sent through and Paul's finally able to convince Ellie to let him send a text message I don't actually I don't think he convinces her I think he just sends the message and then she doesn't respond or and then Ellie sends something to sort of make up for his terrible text and then she does respond it's the whole thing And so that happens. And the reason why they have a sort of break in their relationship... uh, I think there was one point where they almost had a break because he asked Ellie, like, do you like Aster? And I think she, like, shrugs it off. She does like Aster, by the way. She shrugs it off and then, like, they're on good terms again. And then there's a moment with all this that's going on where Aster comes to paul's house she has like this flower drawing that she made for him and <laughs> ellie's there because she went to some party after the talent show that i mentioned earlier uh all the seniors had like a party and they're all being really open to ellie now because she played really well which is super and kind of annoying considering they were always bullying her or ignoring her but whatever and so she goes because she wants to have a good time and paul's there so why not she trusts paul and she gets drunk and like paul takes her home Like, he doesn't, like, take her home. He takes her to his house, and he's, like, really polite. He lets her stay in his bed. He, like, makes sure she's okay, that she didn't drink too much. And that's it. Like, he's just a decent person and a good friend. Like, everyone should be, but, you know, that isn't always the case. And anyway, that's why Ellie wakes up at his house, and it just happens to be that Aster is coming there to see Paul, and he's not there. I don't know really why he's not there, but he's not there at the time. And... Um, that's when Aster is just sort of like, do you want to hang out? Like, I already told my dad an excuse as to why I'm not going to be around him, so why not? And there's this cute, um, whole moment where they're just hanging out, they're asking questions. They go into, like, this little, is it a lake or a pond? I don't know. They go into the pond and Ellie's kind of like, oh god, she took her shirt off. Oh my god, what am I going to (laughs) do? And they're sort of floating on the lake and it's so pretty. I wonder how they shot it. I'm just curious. I wonder how hard it was for them to try to float and if their hands were, like, in the back of them or if they that's just the moment they got the shot and maybe they, like, released their hands. It just is a really, really spectacular shot. Um should look at that. Maybe I'll put that in here. Or maybe you should look that up, but it's great. And that's when they start to build their bond. Um, I think they definitely have a lot of chemistry, they're very alike, like I said, they have that connection with music, they both like the same sort of books, ideas, art, or they at least understand and can have deep conversations about those things. So, very different from Paul, except that even though Paul isn't that, Paul's very nice. He tries to understand, he stands up for, um, he stood up for Ellie, you know, he really does try, and I think that's what makes me like Paul a lot. I did- I actually- went into this thinking that I wasn't going to really like Paul a lot, because I thought he was probably going to be, like, very one-dimensional and basic, and he's actually not, and I was really surprised by that, and I don't really know why I thought he was going to be like that. I just was like, hmm, I'm probably only going to like Ellie and Aster, but I actually like Paul and Ellie the most, um, and if- I'm not saying that Aster wasn't good in this film, um, it was fine, it was good element, um, the love triangle thing is pretty normal for YA, but I totally would have watched this even if it was just Ellie and, um, Paul. It was great. And so, we get to the ending, and we find that Paul likes Ellie. He's decided that he likes Ellie, but he doesn't tell her. He just kind of tries to kiss her, and she's like, uh, dude, no. Like, no, we're just friends. And of course, of course, Aster's, like, walking in right as that happens because they're all at his football game, and I guess it just ended, and they were there to support him, and Oh God, it's such a terrible moment, and that's an, that's where they have a big break in their relationship. Um, Ellie feels bad because she feels bad that she hurt Aster, and probably because at this point Aster doesn't, still doesn't know that the one who's been writing the letters was Ellie. Paul feels bad because Ellie is like, no, I don't like you like that, and also probably for the same reasons as Ellie, with like lying to Aster, so on and so forth. And yeah also, I should note that Paul goes over to Ellie's house several times and brings like food over. um I think he saw some letter that she was like not having enough food or she doesn't cook a lot, whatever. He brought food over and like made food with her dad, which is so cute, and the dad clearly sort of likes Paul um so it's just something to know. I thought that was lovely when they're in the kitchen together, just cooking. It's just like the small things that are so pretty and I did forget to mention that another way that Ellie and Aster bonded was Ellie sort of lives at this train station. It's not a station where people come in and they have like their ticket and they're rounding up um, and they're getting on trains. It's really like a train- it's a train track next to their house where Ellie has specific times where she has to go out and like signal them and instead of using some mechanical, technical aspect to do the job for them, her dad tells her that, you know, if she should, someone needs to be out there, he doesn't really trust the machines as much. And later in the film, you see that they finally use it because Ellie does go off to college um, at the, I think it's Grinnell, not the home school, not the, like, home in-state school. Um, so that's awesome news. But that's just something to know. Um, they bonded over that, like, Esther was, like, there with her and... I still don't really understand the whole detail of that, but I think it's interesting and it's different, and I just thought that was pretty unique. And, yeah. So, everyone's mad at each other for a valid reason. I think Aster has a great reason to be mad, you know? She's more than being pretty. Of course, that's something that shows up, Um, which I guess could sound privileged, and that is something that Aster notes. But she does get into detail, like, how everyone is, like, expecting her to, like, be one of them, or... They just want, like, her approval, they want to tell her how to act, sort of like a little princess. She doesn't want to do that, but she also doesn't push it away until she starts to really realize it's not what she wants. They have this really cute moment at the end of the film where they're on the street and there's, like, the yellow line distinguishing the two lanes, and they're both on either side, on both halves, which is really cool and Ellie has her bike, like, she always has her bike there from the beginning, there's, like, these wide-angle long shots of her riding a bike down the street, which is very cool aesthetically, and Aster's on the other side, and they're sort of bickering, but it's, like, playful bickering, and they're apologizing to each other, and Aster, like, throws her bike down, you know, the dramatics kisses her, and says, oh, I'll see you in two years, or four years, or a few years, but I don't know, um, probably four, considering she's going to college, and she's, like, yeah, bye. And that's how it ends. And I really, okay, there's also a scene with her and Paul that's really cute, but I'm not going to explain that. You can just see that. Um, I'll leave something out. She, it's really cute because I personally think it's realistic. Um, sure, they could have done, like, the long distance and that would have been fine too. Sure, um, you know, Aster does decide she's going to go to art school instead of getting married to her, like, boyfriend yeah by the way she has a boyfriend in this whole movie um who is very I don't know if he's narcissistic but he's definitely superficial and definitely like likes validation and attention and he's annoying um yeah I didn't really mention him because he was just like not interesting but he's in the movie and it should be noted my question is does she ever break up with him i'm sure she does by the end or at least when she starts talking to paul but they don't really talk about it so it's just kind of left up to us to assume that he gets broken up with but i wish they would have given us a scene because it does really seem like she's annoyed by him and like she has nothing in common with him and they're just both pretty attractive people with symmetrical faces by chance so it's just like whatever i just wish they had given us a scene i think it would have been very satisfying to watch a scene of her breaking up with him but anyway yeah so she's going to art school or whatever to kiss she's like i'll see you in a few years boom and she rides her bike off the bike that she just threw dramatically at the ground <laughs> i would never throw my bike on the ground not only because my dad would be so pissed at me we had to use a kickstand. like bikes are expensive. <laughs> how how dare you throw it on the freaking ground? Anyway, I know it was for dramatic effect. We don't even focus on the bike. That's all I could think of the whole time when I was watching the scene. is like, how dare she just throw her bike on the ground like that? But anyway, go check out the half of it. It's a good film. I will try to put some photos up. If I can't put them up on the video as I'm speaking, I will try to just link some images at the bottom of the a lot of the shots that I really wanted to focus on um, when they're in the pond and um, just stuff like that. And that is all. I will leave you with that. <laughs>